Welcome everybody to this new episode of the Women in Technology Spotlight. Today I have a special edition where I have two guests. I have with me Daria Bululukova, who is a cloud solution architect at VinIT, and Ivana Ovcharic, who is analytics lead in marketing automation at A1 Telecom. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, happy to be here. So, um, my first question usually is, tell me a little bit about yourself. And when I ask you that, I would like to know a little bit about your background, where you come from. Maybe you want to start, Daria. Yeah, sure. Hi, my name is Daria Bolukova. It's already introduced. Thank you very much. Um, I'm 30 years old, <laughs> even though it doesn't feel like that. I originally come from Uzbekistan, which is in Middle Asia. It's a bit different, so <laughs> um, it's fine if you don't know where Uzbekistan is. Most of people don't. When I was 17, I um, participated in a German language learning exchange program in Germany. That's how I came in touch with German culture, German language. And after one year, um, it was clear to me that I really enjoy the language. I would like to stay um, yeah, in this, in this um, area, let's say like that. Um, and then I moved to Austria to finish the high school. Uh, and I actually did. So um, then I yeah, went to the university in Vienna. Um, finished the university with a master's degree and stayed in Vienna as well um, to study, uh, to study to work, sorry, to work. And at this point, I moved away from Vienna to the outskirts of Vienna, so a little bit farther away, to be able to be um, near to, to the nature, to, be, to have a small house, to have a garden. So that's basically it. So I'm in Austria for already 10 years, I think even more. Um, I also have the Austrian citizenship at this point, but yeah, I'm born in, um, in somewhere else and um, raised with a different culture. That's already quite an interesting thing. And before I move to Ivana, I just have one quick question. So you were born and raised in Uzbekistan. So what triggered your interest in the German language? So there is such thing as um, Goethe language school, I believe. They, they are active all over the world. And I went to a linguistic school. So I was learning English and German as a second language. And additionally, I was taking courses in this um, organization at Goethe, Goethe Institute. And at this point, they were offering kind of um, school exchange programs. And the, one of those was, in, of course, in Germany. And that's how I came in touch with it. Okay, that's so cool. I grew up in Nigeria and there was also a Goethe Institute. So oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Connecting. That's so cool. Uh, Ivana, so what brought you to your current position? Yeah, in short, uh, um, that was a job. Um, so I was born and raised in Belgrade, in Serbia, and that's where I finished my faculty, that's where I started my career. That's where pretty much my whole life was uh, until four years ago when I moved to Vienna. Mm -hmm. um, differently to you two, I had zero knowledge of German, so it's still a bit of a pain getting there, but it's progressing slowly. Um, and yeah, essentially, uh, I started working in AY in Serbia. I got a really nice opportunity to move to the headquarters of A1 in Vienna. 
And um, even though I really love Belgrade, uh, um, I was uh, um, I, there was something drawing me to see uh, what else is there. I think there was some personal development that still needed to happen. And uh, yeah, so my family is still still back in Belgrade. I moved here, you know, knowing I would be financially safe, but I had zero contacts or zero sort of. Uh, 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 backup net, um, which in hindsight is always a bit uh, a crazy of a move, but I haven't regretted it since. That's so. That's an interesting thing to do to move to a completely different country for a job, especially if you don't speak the the language. How did you experience, you know, coming to Vienna without speaking German? Did you? Um, was it a shock? Um, I cannot say it was a shock. Uh, I was I was preparing myself psychologically for this. Um, there is also, you know, a good and a bad thing knowing that uh, uh, there is a lot of Serbian <laughs> circulating in, in Vienna, which you know it did help me uh, in the beginning a lot, but sometimes has hindered my progress in in learning the language. And also led me to, you know, a bit of uh, thinking about uh, my identity uh, in, in interesting terms. Maybe we can touch upon that later. One quick question I already have to, to your background here. So you said you already worked for A1 in, in Serbia, obviously. And then they gave you this opportunity. You are quite young. So you must be really good at your job to be asked to, to take a job over overseas as we, you would say, um, in, or internationally, actually. Hmm? Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I haven't thought about it uh, in those terms at that time. Um, but I think uh, what is very interesting about the department where Daria and I have met, uh, it's a digital transformation department. And there, I have a feeling age is less of a disadvantage factor. Mm -hmm. You know, you're someone yeah. coming in fresh from faculty, you're someone who is following the trends, who is interested in, in up and coming things. And there is a lot of benefit that you can bring at that point. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that, that I think that's why uh, um, Daria and I are, we're successful in, in, in <laughs> what we do. I don't know, Daria, if that's your experience. Sure. Actually, I do think that the area we're working in is a bit more open towards different ages because it's such a new topic. And um, let's say the technology itself is also still developing. It's kind of was not existing for 20, 30 years like other areas. It's up and coming, you know, big data, data analysis, marketing based on data and also cloud environment. Those are relatively new topics. And of course, um, it's hard to hire someone who has 30 years of experience in the topic we just started developing. So for us, of course, it's a huge plus. And as Ivana already mentioned, so for us in the Digital Transformation Unit, it was kind of an, a welcoming culture to bring in, you know, our new ideas. We have we have this motivation, you know, of um, pushing for things or for developing our ideas. Yeah, it was. It's it's a it's a great area to work in right now. It's an interesting point, actually, that uh, digital transformation is a younger field because that's what we're we're in this whole process where the world is is going into 
into this transformation step by step. Some areas are further along and some are just, just going into this digital age. So, but maybe you would like to explain a little bit what digital transformation in A1 actually is. Maybe Ivana, since you're still there. Definitely. Um, so A1 is, uh, A1 Group is a pretty big company. It's a telco operating company op operating in seven countries. And um, as the it's as as with all the big systems, change sometimes can be painfully hard. It, there are legacy systems. Systems get built over years on top, you know, with and and uh, they sometimes have trouble following up uh, on all of the speed or following up to the speed that uh, the market is transforming in. Mm -hmm. So with all this new technology being produced, there are way more, way more options to communicate with your customers, to do your operations internally, to unlock new business opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, for us in A1, that's um, the idea is that our team follows what is happening in the market, kind of filters through all these new features and, and options, see what could work for us, and then help uh, A1 in all these countries to implement that, to adapt to new ways of working, uh, and essentially to leverage all this new technology. Yes, I. while you were telling me this, I was thinking about the fact that A1 is actually one of those dinosaurs. So it, it came out of the old postal <laughs> systems in Austria. And it's very true, even though it has gone to, to, through different relaunches, renamings, and there is this DNA in there. But it's also a thing that a lot of service providers have. For me personally, it makes it super attractive because um, you get to be this... Uh, disruptor from within. You get to be to have this sort of a startupy uh, uh, vibe uh, inside of this. I'm, I'm gonna say slower uh, pace culture. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can actually see that. I can see that a, um, a company like A1, with its roots back in the K and K um, monarchy times, uh, <laughs> would actually need something. A young um, business unit that is responsible of bringing that that fresh air inside and, and having these new ideas to actually make it possible for them to move forward into the to a new world, which is yeah, which is actually happening. Um, so you both met uh, at A1. Uh, Daria, how long is ago did you leave there? Um, it's not that long, actually. It was last September that they left the company. Before that, they made a sabbatical of three years, uh, three years, three months. Sorry, just to you know, have the time for me to gather uh, what I would like to do, where I want to be, what is my next step. So, and after that, in September, I left for VNIT, <laughs> which is, as you already said, another dinosaur on the market. <laughs> even maybe even more um, than A1. But um, to, for, to touch on what Ivana said, it's not only that we are the disruptors in this area in these companies. What I also really appreciate is the huge advantage that those companies are the ones who are working with the real life data. They have a huge amount of data. They are actually working in the field and what they are doing. So what if you implement a project or a technology, the results are immediate. You see them, you know, 
let's say we work with uh, Wiener Stadtwerke or Wiener Linien, they implement the use case in a project and I can actually see it as the usual, you know, um, as the, someone who is living in Vienna by go going by bus or by going by tram, I can see the results of our work, which is amazing. Example, for example, especially in Wiener Linien, tell me about a project. That, uh, so I don't work for Wiener Linien, it's just one of the subsidiaries of Wiener Stadtwerke, which is, you know, a huge conglomerate of uh, different subsidiaries. But we as Wiener IT do support them in the area of IT. So we are an IT service provider for the internal subsidiaries of Wiener Stadtwerke. Mm -hmm. um, so what we do is, you know, the use cases are very different. Um, starting with, I don't know, like machine learning based on sensor data. So let's say some um, trams have sensors measuring when some parts are going to break. Mm -hmm. They might use this data to, you know, predict when it's going to break next time to provide this data to the opera operators. It's just one of the use cases. Others are less fancy, <laughs> just, you know, supporting the ticketing shop with the reliable infrastructure, which is less fancy, I know, but still it's a huge, you know, part of the business. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's important that it works smoothly. <laughs> it's actually a fun side info because infrastructure is very unsexy and I work for a company who provides, uh, that provides infrastructure. So, and nobody knows us. So VMware is one of the biggest software companies. We run in nearly every data center in Austria. But when you mention the name someone who's not in IT directly, nobody knows us. They don't. That's true. But for me, I know VMware. So yeah. I would assume because I'm actually aware that VNIT runs some Kubernetes uh, cluster of one of our solutions. We do. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That, but that's, uh, that's if you work in infrastructure and if you are the one behind the scenes, um, supporting this uh, digital applications and whatever people use every day, st people still won't know what you're doing. So that's, that's <laughs> an interesting part. So it's cool to see someone who's actually in, in that field and, and also working behind the scenes to make our world run. Um, yeah, so now that we talked a little bit about what you did, not a lot, actually, I would like to come back to that. But I would also like to try and understand what made you go into IT, which still is um, an area that is not the prime target for, for young women, actually, which is a sad thing and which we're trying to change at the moment. So Ivana, maybe you could tell me a little bit what, about what made you interested in, in going into IT and what was your route there? Yeah, definitely. And thank you. This, this previous conversation of yours is a really good intro for, for, uh, for, for my answer because I am really different to, to both of you, I would say. I really thrive on seeing, you know, what is the, the seeing this connection between business and the customer really directly. So for me, uh, I don't think I would be happy, you know, doing uh, uh, the infrastructural work. Um, and that's sort of uh, where, where uh, how my whole path was. So I was constantly somewhere between business and technology. Uh, in school, I was very, you know, uh, analytically inclined, very good at maths and physics. But this was never something which was super exciting to me, to be honest. I always saw it clearly. A plus B equals C, fine. But I was more thriving in this, you know, psychology, sociology, and, and similar areas. But there was this huge expectation of me just because you can, 
do a technical field and you know of course economically it's usually more prosperous than other fields i had like an overall i think societal pressure to go into something like that and i was always i was very very naively simplistically seeing all the all of my possibilities in technology i was imagining myself man if i go into this i would have to be you know sitting in some sort of a dungeon you know like kind of <laughs> so, I don't know, with burning some sort of a chip, and that was not an option for me. Uh, so in order to buy myself some time, I enrolled to the Faculty of Economics and realized shortly, ah, this is kind of too vague for me. So I went into the most technical option of economics, which was statistics and business informatics. Mm -hmm. And that's where I got into predictive analytics, which is also again perfect fit of you know data and some some technical uh, skills applied to um, very very visible use cases. And when I started working in this field, uh, that's where I got it clicked for me. Oh my God, there is so much of these this technology and this data which can be used for so many cool use cases. Mm -hmm. So I went back to study. Um, to enroll to a master's, which is the most social field of <laughs> technical uh, um, studies, which was computing and social sciences, essentially all of the technologies and uh, data models, um, which can be used for you know social fields, social goods, and uh, similar options. So um, that's that's how I am. Uh, <laughs> where I am right now, uh, again, working on, you know, what can technology unlock for, for us and for customers. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first time that I any, ever heard a woman say she was pressured to go into a technology, <laughs> technology role. But it does make sense, actually, because um, I, I do see that if you have the talent for certain things, people have expectations. If they see you're good at certain things, they have a certain expectations what you will do later. So there's a certain peer pressure to use your talents, which is a whole other discussion, whether that makes sense or not. But yeah, I, that, that's, uh, that's really interesting that you say you were pressured to, do, to, to use that. Um, I wanted to say maybe that also relates to the fact that I had sort of an untypical uh, closest environment, all of my family, uh, uh, includes both male and female uh, uh, parts of it uh, are in civil engineering. So okay. my mom is someone who is a technical person. So I essentially didn't know anything else. That's you know that what that's what was embedded in me. Mm. Uh, that reminds me of something. Do you also have the impression that in the <clears throat> previously Eastern countries, like um, there are more women in technical roles or used to be? So that there's a more even distribution, and that there are more, there's more, how do you say, cultural acceptance of women doing stuff with technology and IT. I mean, um, I will answer with uh, with just an observation that until I moved to Vienna, I didn't even have this in my this gender division even in my mind because you know our CTO, CTO was a woman. Uh, there were many many women sort of role models in this area, which kind of trivialized the fact that they were women for me. They were just, you know, people doing good work in this area. So to be honest, I never had this in my head 
um, until I moved here. And then I started looking into the numbers and actually, you know, noticing um, there is a gap in here, which was not visible. At least I cannot say uh, general, <laughs> generally for Serbia as a whole, but comparing A1 in Serbia and, uh, and in Austria, I do definitely see some difference. Okay, thank you for that. I, I made uh, some similar experiences when I was working for Riverbed years ago. I was also responsible for some of the Eastern countries. I went to Belgrade, for example, and Sarajevo and places like that. And I was, uh, and before I took on that role, people was telling me, oh, you want to do that in the Eastern countries? Aren't you afraid that the men will not accept you? And I had not, no such experience at all. So yeah, this just kind of uh, clicks with my, my impression, with the impression I had. So uh, moving to Daria, what was your path into IT? What made you interested in, yeah, in the digital journey? Yeah, like I would really like to tell you some exciting story that I was always, <laughs> uh, you know, interested in technology and was doing, you know, technology stuff when I was a kid, but it's less fancy. <laughs> so my family, from my family, no one actually has an IT background. When I moved to Austria and finished the high school, there was no such an idea in my mind to go to IT. Like I was quite good in, you know, natural sciences, chemistry, physics. Um, yeah, it was kind of easy for me, easier for me to study them, but there was no such an idea, you know, oh, I want to be a cloud architect. I think at this point there was no such a job on the market, like cloud was not the theme. Um, but like what actually made me to do the last decision to actually study IT was the fact that um, my parents were still supporting me at this point after the high school. And like I was talking to them, you know, I, I was really into um, art history and sociology at this point. And I told them, like, you know, I might would like to study the, in this field. And they told me quite honestly, like it might be hard for you to find a job after that, after studying sociology. And that kind of helped me, you know, to look into other fields. And IT was one of them because I knew, okay, I will most surely find a job. It doesn't matter in which area of IT, but it's a huge field. I will for sure find a job after the education. And um, I also studied at the Fachhochschule, which is not the university, but you know, more of the hands-on side of the education. And then I knew like after three years, I will be done with my bachelor's. It was also a huge factor that I would be able you know, to find a job after three years and start working. Mm -hmm. So not as fancy as, as uh, others, but it's you know, very pragmatic, um, down-to-earth uh, solution. Actually, I love this story very much because that's one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have that when you want to go into IT, you have to have had an interest from the basically being a toddler, you started taking stuff apart and then you had your first computer. But no, you can be a completely normal person who did have different interests like yours, art and soci sociology. And still be successful in IT. So I, I, I actually, I'm very thankful for that story. <laughs> because it's, you know, because I, I, that's what I try to explain to people. I also try to explain to women, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have this history with computers and IT and whatever. You can just have an interest and passion and interest are much more important for the, what you're doing at the moment than having, you know, 
there's, there's a very interesting, we are at a very interesting point at the moment. So we are in IT, but a lot of people who are in IT have been there for 30 years and um, the tools and the technology have changed. So all these history they have with systems and, and all the knowledge they have gathered is not necessarily relevant for what we're trying to do today. You know, so it's actually much more relevant if you go into IT now and learn what's what's important now and then go on this journey. So there's no need to feel bad about your normal journey. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself in this area, you know, expecting, like seeing what is expected of women who are in the technology to have this passion, to have this amazing story. Um, I always dreamed of being, you know, an IT technologist or a computer scientist or whatever, but that like right now I realize it's just a skill and a job as everything else. If you put enough energy and time into it, you will learn it. Of course, it's a huge plus if it's a passion, but not everyone has a passion figured out by the time they are 18. You know, it's fine to start learning. If you enjoy the field, it's also fine, but it's a job and it's a skill and you can learn it. It's, it's nothing like you don't have to be genius born with the IT gene. There is nothing like that, I guess. It's very true. And um, I have been recommending people uh, to read Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, for a long time, because since I read it a couple of years ago, because I feel uh, we have an overemphasis on talent in our society. And what we underestimate is that the fact if you apply yourself and you, you learn something, you can actually be much more successful than someone who's, who's talented. I mean, it always helps to have talent and work, but um, we, we tend to, to overemphasize talent. Yeah, sure. If I may add, it's also from Daria's uh, um, talk, what is quite uh, interesting for me and what I wish I would have had at the moment when I was deciding what to uh, study, because that was such a huge, huge uh, pressure hovering over my head is, you know, you, it, it's okay not having it figured out, and also there is like a range, as you said, like, you know, there are, there are different topics within IT. You didn't think I will be, you know, a cloud architect, um, but it's not just this one thing, this one idea that we attach who I have to be and how I will have to work. And especially today with, with uh, technology changing so, so fast, there, there is such a wide range of things that you can do. They can be, you know, closer to business, less close. They can, you can work with people. You can work on your own. You will for sure find something which feels good and where you feel like, you know, you are, you are um, fulfilling that sort of spark or passion or however you want to say, say it. But you don't have to uh, be, you don't have to be a fit to this idea, and you know. How this looks like and how you have to look like to do this yeah, yeah. and also in terms of passion i mean if you are on the outside looking in you often don't know all the details of what is possible so it might be that you start with something you're basically good at you you invest some work and then you find a passion within that so nobody knows um, where this whole digital world is going and what kind of things will be possible to do so i've talked to, with so many women now and, and everyone's doing something completely different so there's there there might be something in that field that 
uh, triggers your passion because your passion might not be definitely about te specific technology, but maybe in the way it's used or in the way it's designed or, or whatever, you know, there, there are so many options. Yes. So um, we talked a little bit about how you came into IT, where you came from. There's one thing I think we should still talk about a little is what you actually do just to give people an idea of your role. And I would like to start with Daria because she is a cloud solution architect, which is so vague for people. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thanks. No, no, I am not I offended. I know what you do, so but <laughs> if you, you know, cloud is already vague. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's true. It's absolutely true. So, yeah, kind of connecting to what Ivana previously said, I was not planning to become a cloud solution architect. Mm -hmm. I started to work in the area of data engineering, DevOps, mm -hmm. and starting from there, I kind of migrated more towards infrastructure because before we could analyze the data, before we could do all the fancy machine learning stuff, which everyone is so crazy about right now, you need a platform, you need an infrastructure where you can run it. So you need a reliable infrastructure. And this is how I got in touch with this whole topic. Within A1, while I was at my previous job, we were building um, exactly that. We were building a platform for marketing campaigns. We were building a platform for analyzing customer data to be better to be able to create new connections in the data we have which was not possible before that mm -hmm. and when you start you know analyzing these big amounts of data you realize very fast that um, on-prem infrastructure so something which is you know already existent um, in the company as a physical server is um, not enough so you will kind of reach the boundaries of what what is possible and this is how you, you know, you start to think, okay, maybe cloud might be a solution for us. This is how I got in touch in, in the first place with the cloud. So we started evaluating how cloud might support us in building this platform for the data analysis and we continue and so on. Um, and I was involved into all of the topics along the line. So starting with uh, what do I need to analyze the data? What kind of infrastructure do I need to analyze the data? to the next step of you know building this infrastructure installing the servers installing the tools you might need and then you know making it rep replicable so you don't want to every time do it manually you would like to make it reproducible as possible and we were working with our subsidiaries as even i already mentioned so we didn't have only one a1 company there are subsidiaries in eastern europe so we would we wanted to write it as a code so they can deploy it at their choice of so in, in in their cloud as well so they have the same infrastructure and then the data scientists or data um, analysts could you know reuse the models they are building in austria for example in serbia as well or in in bulgaria as well mm -hmm. So that's basically how I got to the cloud. And um, I kind of got interested so much in, in all aspects of the cloud that I decided, yeah, I would like to deepen my knowledge. And basically what the cloud solution architect does is um, specifying how the solution should look like, mm -hmm. um, starting from you know the application going deeper into the infrastructure. So what is the underlying level of the infrastructure? 
Um, if I have the infrastructure, what kind of security do I'd like to have? What kind of data protection I would like to have? Um, what is the networking solution? How I get the data from, you know, on-premises inside? So the cloud solution architect is someone who is having all the small pieces in the head and bringing them together into one solution. It's actually quite a complex field, right? We have all these big hyperscalers who have different features. So if you go to the Google Cloud or if you Azure or AWS, it's all a little bit different. And then you have your on-prem infrastructure and you have to connect the whole thing. And then you have to use that networking security. All these topics are involved there. So it's actually quite interesting, right? I love it. <laughs> I love working with all of the, like, you know, you have a networking team and they have their own pains and then you have security team and they have their own pains and rules they have to follow. And you, you sit in the middle and you kind of have to get along with everyone because you are interested in delivering the solution. So they represent their own um, view, but you have to fight for them to find the middle ground. So this is, I kind of enjoy this point. Yes. Um, so, Ivana, you are one of the teams who would use a platform that uh, a, a Daria's team built, right? Um, maybe yeah. you would like to explain a little bit what you do with that infrastructure? Yeah, exactly. So one part of it is uh, using the data that, that Daria is so kindly providing. Uh, and, <laughs> and the other uh, part of it is, you know, how do we get this uh, data from the outside into the company, mm -hmm. and how do we use? Yeah, how do we use it? What are the use cases which uh, which we will deliver with this? So, um, what does that mean very practically? On an on an example is you know there are uh, every website that that we browse, cookies are being collected. How do we um, enable cookie collection? How do we segment this data that we collect and how do we react upon it in real time? So there are many super cool tools that do this. And uh, you know, we I would research this, find what would potentially be uh, a good fit for us. We would then, once we, we have it, we would think how to integrate it the best and uh, yeah, how to provide the better customer experience based on all this new technology that we put in. Very simple. Very simple. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I'm still trying to understand um, what the value is of all that data that, that you're collecting. So A1 is a service provider. So you collect data from the users, I assume, to build new products or what, what can I um, yeah, imagine? Mm -hmm. Yes, so uh, one stream is definitely that. So, you know, what do we learn about how our products are being used and how they're functioning to improve them and to provide as a better customer experience? On the other hand, um, there is a lot, a lot of data which can be used for um, personalizing customer communication and removing the spam mass messages that you're receiving constantly. So uh, one example that Daria mentioned uh, in V90s, you know, uh, pred pre predictive and prescriptive uh, analysis. So understanding that someone might be uh, experiencing some network issues, you can be 
proactive as much as you can in reaching out to the customer and offering a solution. Mm -hmm. One part is, you know, in customer service. One part is also in marketing, saying, hey, we don't want to spam you with all of the offers that we have. Here is something cool that you might be interested mm -hmm. in based on uh, how you've been using our products up to now. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So we have um, already spent quite some time together and I have to come to an end uh, of the hour. Um, but before we, we wind this up, I, will, I have a couple of questions. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but um, how did you two experience um, you know, the transition to Austria? I don't know if that's a topic you want to talk to, how it is for you as young women from, from other countries living in Austria and, and working in IT. Maybe that's something you want to touch on. And then um, maybe you would like to, to say a few words of what you would recommend to other young women interested in doing what you are doing. So maybe we start again with Daria. Sure, sure. Um, no, I'm fine. I can, of course, talk about how it was um, to move to Austria as a young woman. So I would differentiate between moving to the countryside because initially I moved to the lower Austria, which was a small village. This was a bit, you know, <laughs> let's say it was harder for me than living in a bigger city because people there are not so used um, having someone from the outside, someone from the different country. But younger people in general are much more, you know, um, tolerant towards new cultures, towards new people. It was a bit challenging at the beginning, especially since I moved from Germany, where I was speaking, you know, high German, <laughs> German German, and I moved to Austria to the countryside where people were talking in dialect, which I didn't understand at the beginning, like at all. Um, but then once I moved to Vienna, that was a whole different story. Honestly, Vienna is such an, such an international city you don't think about it anymore. There are so many different cultures, people from Eastern Europe, from Spain, from wherever, like Vienna is a melting pot of cultures. So that was no problem at all. Um, uh, talking about women in IT, it's also a, a bit of a different story <laughs> because of course you do have the prejudice um, towards younger female, you know, IT I, I colleagues as, as I am, because probably there are not so many of them and it's not something very usual. So the first position, the first reaction from especially older colleagues who are, you know, working for 30 years in IT would be, oh, what do you know? You know, like what experience do we have? I have been working in this area for 30 years. Like, what do you want to tell me? But honestly, once they realize that you actually have something valuable to share, they see that you're passionate about it or that you have the skill, you would really like to help them to work better or to create, create the better solutions. Um, they open up. The, the situation changes. So I wouldn't lie and say, you know, everything is super fine and everyone is acceptable um, and open open about, you know, having younger colleagues, female IT colleagues. But once you, you have to prove yourself, but once you, you, you know, kind of made the step and you go over it, over this uh, hurdle, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better and you become accepted. <laughs> Okay, um, is there, or maybe let's let's uh, table that for afterwards. Ivana, what um, is your experience with this? 
I, I have to agree uh, um, with Daria's conclusion. So I think uh, there is something in us which makes uh, makes our brain jump to conclusions. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we all have it within us. I think our brain is programmed to optimize. We do this and it's on us to correct ourselves. So um, it's it, it, there is a gap, initial gap, where which... I'm not sure it's always intersectional, right? You are young, you are foreign, uh, you are in, in IT. There are many different things or reasons why someone might not take you seriously. Um, but, you know, uh, not taking it personally, but thinking, uh, you know, okay, this is how we function as human beings. Uh, I can work through this, you know, if you have something to say, go ahead and say it. And then uh, I, I also felt that that uh, sort of a wall breaks down relatively quickly. So there is something there, but I think it's uh, it, it does end up uh, going away, at least in my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, moving here, I got to say also very, uh, a very international environment in Vienna. I think for me, it was quite, uh, it was quite good to me. Um, I think I had some internal things that I had to work through in relation to how uh, sometimes Eastern Europeans are being stereotypically viewed mm -hmm. in, in Vienna. And I was... Uh, I was kind of afraid in a lot of interactions that that is not attributed to me. So even more so to distance myself from from uh, from that, which is also a very energy draining process, right? You're not free to act based on your will, but you're carrying the burden of you know this whole I don't know national or or cultural identity. Um, so that's something I gotta say, which kind of drained me in a few moments, and something that I'm still working on. Um, and and I think it's something that really uh, is is worth looking into each each one of us for for ourselves. I think that's a that's a very valuable point you made there. Actually, more than one really. Uh, one is the fact that we have to learn to understand that a lot of things have nothing to do with us, you know, and and just maybe leave them aside and and move forward and and uh, just give the other person a chance to also um, work through their issues with uh, whatever they're thinking and then we usually see that it works quite well and then there's the weight of um, we carry with us because we are kind of uh, like a representative of, of different things maybe a foreign country maybe of being a woman and and we have all these things that we and we try not to to be a stereotypical whatever and and that's that is a burden and and um, learning to put that aside and being yourself is is, is a progress I, I think yeah there's there's a really good book on it which I would recommend it's called uh, whistling Vivaldi and essentially okay. it's a professor who, who analyzed the effects of carrying this burden of a whole group on ourselves. It's yeah. actually scientifically proven how it diminishes our performance. Even when we just have the idea, someone might judge us based on this criteria, which kind of ends up perpetuating a stereotype. Yeah, yeah. And then it's a really nice message in the end, you know, make sure not to continue this for others, you know, be completely open, don't put, you know, don't have ideas. Mm -hmm. yeah. say, but Thank you for that. Um, I will definitely look into that book. I love reading, so that's the thing <laughs> I do.
And um, I've gotten a lot of great recommendations from, from a lot of women I've talked to. So thank you. It would be cool to, to see the list. Yeah. Um, Adela Mehic is also compiling one. I gave her some recommendations as well, but I can, can definitely send you a list of stuff I have been uh, reading recently and I've been recommended. Cool. Um, so maybe as a final round, let's go through what we or you would recommend to a young woman starting out in the field. What uh, maybe just, I don't know, a tip you would give, something she could do to make the journey easier and um, yeah. Daria, let's let's start with you. Okay, so yeah, I was thinking about this question, what they would give as an advice to young me, if I, yeah, I would have to start over again. But there is no like one piece of advice to follow, like a truth or like top fives. It's just a general an attitude maybe. Don't get discouraged. There is no, you know, this, as Ivana already was talking about, there is no this perfect one job in IT. Just try things out. And from my experience, I got, I, I developed within my field by learning new stuff on the job. I started as a data analyst and ended as a cloud architect. I was not even aware of the field before I started working there. You know, just try things out. No job fair, no job description can give you an impression of how the job would actually be before you actually try it out. And another thing, um, which I kind of see in my female colleagues the most, they ask themselves too much if they did something wrong, is something wrong with them. And I don't think that the male colleagues are asking these questions themselves too often. So if you get offered an opportunity, don't start to overanalyze yourself that you are unprepared. Just try things out. Everyone, like, it, not everyone has figured it out. Most of us are just trying things and see how it works out and see how it plays out and learn, you know, on the journey. Maybe this is something I would like to give a younger self as an advice as well. You know, just do it. <laughs> don't ask to, you know, don't, don't doubt yourself too much. Very good advice, I think, you know, uh, the overanalyzing, the thinking that you might not be good enough. And, and exactly. Yeah. Thank you for that. Ivana, some last words? Yeah, but after the touchdown that I made, <laughs> I feel like everything would be obsolete. Uh, but I think a very well point made uh, is that, you know, a big secret is that no one is ever ready, right? You, you can say it, you can, you can hide it, whatever it is, you know, you will never be 120% ready for something. If you are, then you're over it already. You shouldn't do it. So, you know, go, go uh, into it and you're allowed to, to change, to make mistakes, to learn based on it. Uh, um, it's not just you. Yeah. Yes, thank you both. Thank you for these last words. Very important points, really, that um, none of us has ever finished learning. Everyone makes mistakes and um, never wait for, to be fully prepared because probably life is over until you get to that point. So um, thank you, Ivana. Thank you, Daria. Thank you for coming on the Women in Technology Spotlight and sharing your stories. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for having us. Bye.